so much for playing this morning. I think the people are a little disappointed that you stopped because your playing is a lot better than my preaching, and they thought they were going to get a whole day with that. Man, it's so good to see y'all this morning. One of the things I, I love about Dennis is um, God clearly gave him a talent, um, and God's given many of us talents. He's given a lot of you a talent, and many people in this world have incredible talents. Uh, but Dennis has given his talent back to the Lord, and God has used it greatly, and he uses that across the country, across the world, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a lot of people have been touched through Dennis's playing, um, primarily of being introduced to who Jesus is. And a lot of people have been saved um, through, through that ministry. So Dennis, thanks for what you do and thanks for doing that. If, you're, this, if today is your first time at First Charlotte, we're glad to have you. I would love to connect with you. If you're watching online, wait, you can do that. If you text the word connect to the number on the screen, we'll mail you a gift this week. Uh, just telling us who you are. And those of you that are here, you can do the same as well. Or on your way out here in just a minute, stop by one of our guest welcome booths outside, and we'd love to visit with you and get to know you. Take your Bibles with you this morning. We're walking through Galatians together. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 is where we're at this morning. Galatians 2, verse 11. And there's something that all of us hate, all of us detest, nobody likes, and that is a hypocrite. We hate hypocrisy. And we search for it, look for it, and it's not hard to find hypocrisy. And when we see hypocrisy, uh, we call it, we flag it, we run away from it. We're really good hypocrisy hunters. With the exception of one place, we have a very difficult time seeing and sniffing out the hypocrisy in the mirror. I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about hypocrisy. The Apostle Paul deals with it uh, with a particular brother in Christ that we know very well in Scripture. Two main things that Paul's dealing with in Galatians. One is legalism. Legalism will absolutely thwart and mess up the gospel because it adds to the gospel. It, it teaches and says that being right before God, being in favor with God has to do with your performance, has to do with what you do. But hypocrisy is the other issue that Paul deals with. Preaching the gospel of grace, affirming the gospel of grace, and then living like it doesn't matter in your life. So Paul deals with this and he describes an encounter he has with the apostle Peter where he calls him out and confronts him over an issue of hypocrisy. Now listen, my point today is not to point out the hypocrisy in our politicians and in our world. That is not hard to find. We can sniff that out very well. What I want to help you see and what I want to look for in myself this morning is as a follower of Christ, the virus of hypocrisy in me and in you. So draw your attention, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, and if you would stand in honor of God's word this morning, listen to what Paul writes and tells this story about an encounter he had. He calls him Cephas here, but this is the apostle Peter. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before all of them, if you, though a Jew, Live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Lord, I pray you speak to us this morning. We thank you for your word and may it be illuminated in our lives today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let me give you a little background and context with the situation. Uh, first, the city of Antioch. Antioch was a really unique city um, in the early church. Um, when the Apostle Paul 
uh, had, before he was Paul and was Saul, sent on a persecution of the church. And Stephen, the first martyr, was killed. Believers spread out. I mean, they ran. They fled from the Jerusalem area. And Paul was hunting them down, looking for them to persecute them. And a group of believers settled in a place called Antioch. Now, Antioch's not really a big city within the Bible. You don't really see Antioch anywhere else. But in this culture, in this, the time, in that time, it was a huge city. It was the third largest city in the world at that time. It was the capital of the Roman Empire in that region. So lots and lots of people lived in Antioch. So it was a safe place for them to hide. But in the midst of this city, some incredible things started to happen. The church began to thrive. And the gospel began to get outside the walls of this Jewish circle. So that people who were Roman citizens and other ethnicities beyond Jewish life were given their life to Jesus Christ. And so as things develop, uh, Paul gets saved. And Paul and Barnabas end up landing. This man who sent these believers there because they were running for him ended up landing in Antioch and spending time and building the church there. And it was growing and it was thriving and it was begun to be identified really became an identifying group of people for the church. In fact, it's at Antioch, we're told in Acts 11, I believe, it's at Antioch that Christians are first called Christians, that this movement, these people of Jesus were first called Christians. We owe a lot to the believers at Antioch. We get our identity from who they are. We got our name from what God was doing in their midst. But something also unique in the, this place of Antioch is that most of the people that were being saved were not Jewish. That was different than Jerusalem. Primarily, most of the church in Jerusalem was Jewish. And so we've got another ethnicity, we've got another race, we've got another culture following Jesus as well. And the Apostle Paul's on the front lines with them, developing that and growing that. And so what was happening is the church was growing and they dealt with all this conflict. So are we Jews? Are we, are we Gentiles? Or what does it mean to be a Christian? And so that was what was going on at that time, this brewing problem uh, taking place here. Now, to clarify that, God gave the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 10 a vision. He was the first person to experience this. God gave him a vision, and that vision was to show him that the gospel is for everyone. You remember the story? We looked at it this past spring, how, how, uh, how Peter saw this sheet coming down with all these animals, all these clean and unclean animals all mixed together. And the Lord told him in that vision, arise, eat, and kill. Eat those animals. Eat the unclean animals. Eat the clean animals. Eat it all. And the point of that whole story was this, is that, listen, the gospel breaks the barriers of culture. The gospel breaks the barriers of these ethical codes and these laws of the Jewish religion. That Jesus Christ fulfilled that. And now the gospel is for everyone. This grace is for everyone. And we're not brought into this system of laws. We're brought into the system of grace. So Peter learned that. And then immediately Peter's told to go visit with this man Cornelius, the first Gentile believer. Peter gets to share the gospel with him. Peter was the first person to missionarily take the gospel outside of the race of Jew and of the ethnicity of Jew and to break the codes, to fellowship with them, to spend time with them. Peter was a, man, he was a, a game changer in this whole thing. What happened with him was remarkable. And after that, he goes back and he got, he's like, guess what? He goes back to Jerusalem. Guess what happened, guys? The gospel's for everybody. Jesus died for the Gentiles too. And I've seen a Gentile get saved and I ate with him and we ate pork. Man, it was pulled pork. It was awesome. And they're like, you did what? They called him out on it. And so they had this argument. And the conclusion was, it's true. It's by grace we're saved. By codes, by religion, by laws. Jesus fulfilled all of that for us. And so it doesn't matter who you are, rich or poor, this race or that way, that nation or that nation, Jesus is for everyone. It's an incredible moment. The church began to thrive, began to grow. And here, what's so astounding about this is Peter makes a trip to Antioch and visiting the church there. Peter had begun to practice like this, to live this out. A group of people sent by James. Now, James is the half-brother of Jesus. I mean, these are Jerusalem leaders, Jewish leaders, followers of Christ, come in and Peter, with all of these Jewish influencers around him, these Christians, or supposed Christians, 
that are Jewish influencers, Peter begins to walk back on the idea that he could fellowship and hang out with Gentile Christians just like anyone else. Paul sees it. Paul calls out his hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, church, is a virus. And if we're not careful, hypocrisy can be a virus within the church. Here's hypocrisy's problem. Here's the problem. Now, we, all, we hate hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is, is thrown around today. The accusation of hypocrisy is thrown around like a hand grenade today. If you've been paying attention to any of the political ads, all of the political ads basically say, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, is that my opponent is a hypocrite. And the ads are just basically attacking each other how hypocritical they are. You know, the funny thing is I think they're probably all right. Hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. We don't like hypocrisy. hypocrisy. We, we hate it when a person practice, preaches something but practices another. When we sniff it out, we don't like it. And certainly that's not a good thing. But that's not necessarily what was taking place here. Hypocrisy is a worldwide hated thing. Failing to practice what you preach. But what was taking here was was a little bit more complex than that. And to understand that, we need to understand the word hypocrite. the, The word that Paul uses to describe Peter's actions. Hypocrisy. Hypocrite. The word hypocrite was actually a word that, was, that came from acting. So in plays in those days, they would have actors that would act. And one position that a person would play would be, was called a hypocrite. And the hypocrite, his role in the play was to play one actor. And then whether he steps off the scene or whether he just moves to another place, he would take a mask put a mask on, and then he would play another role, another actor. And so you have some entire plays that are made up by one person, acting one way with no mask, playing one character, picking up a mask, playing another character, putting down that mask, putting on another mask, playing a character as well. And that was called a a hypocrite. The, The concept was basically that you are one person, But you're acting like this person, even though you're actually this person. The word came to mean, as a character trait and as a description of a person's character, the word came to mean concealing one's true character, thoughts, or feelings under a guise of implying something quite different. Thus, you you mask your true convictions, and play a part that's not really yours. You act differently than what you really are. See, hypocrisy is more than just not practicing what you preach. It's it's more than just simply not living up to what you believe or your ideals, because if that's all hypocrisy is, man, we are all hypocrites, and I am a chronic hypocrite, because to be honest with you, I've got a lot of ideals, I've got a lot of beliefs, I've got a lot of things that I, that that in my mind are up here, and you know where I end up falling? Right here. That's sin, no doubt, but that's not the particular sin that, that took here in the hypocrisy of Peter. It wasn't that just Peter failed to live up to his standards, that he didn't practice what he preached. The problem here with Peter and his hypocrisy and the the virus that spread to others was that Peter pretended he covered up what he believed in this situation. This was hypocrisy At its most dangerous level, when we live out the gospel and we live out our gospel convictions in one situation, but then cover them up in another. 
See, Peter was the first man to break down the cultural barriers that the gospel breaks down. Peter was the first man to welcome and to sit with Gentiles and people that were foreignly used to be seen as aliens and strangers and they were to separate themselves. Peter broke those walls and he began walking that and practicing that. Peter was the one that showed us that the gospel breaks cultural lines, that it's for everyone, and that the law which the Jews lived by was fulfilled completely by Christ and we're free from that law. He dramatically learned that. And he lived that out. And as he did, he saw and the church was seeing the gospel break the barriers and become cross-cultural as it saved people. And Peter is a big part of that story. But here he was put in a situation. And he began to mask and cover that truth. See, he put on a mask. And he acted as though he was one of them. And not who he really was. And what he really believed. Hypocrisy is assuming a role in a drama which the story isn't defined by the gospel. Hypocrisy is when a believer plays the part of a non believer. Peter chose to cover up his behavior. With his behavior, his true convictions about the gospel. That's what hypocrisy is. It's masking your convictions. Peter had stopped acting in accord with his convictions. Now we all fail to live up. We, we all affirm hypocrisy in our lives. We all blow it. We all are hypocrites. But we as well can be tempted to affirm something is true and yet intentionally live in a way that covers it up and makes it look like we don't believe it to be true. We all can believe Jesus saves. God's word is truth. Jesus transforms my life. And I proclaim him, I claim him, and I'm walking with him. He has a plan, he has a purpose, he has a will with my life. We can all believe that, but at the same time be tempted to live and act as if that's not true. Yeah. Hypocrisy is an act of dishonesty and disloyalty. Peter had a chance to stand up for the freedom of the gospel. The gospel is not bound by law, that the gospel is not bound by cultural divisions, that I am free. And that I can fellowship with these Gentile believers. They're no different than me and you. But Peter walked back, even though he believed it and knew it was true, and treated these people like they were second-class citizens and separated himself for these other people. That's hypocrisy's problem. And we're pressured in to hypocrisy. You see, hypocrisy comes at us with, with pressure, and that was Peter's problem. Peter was pressured. He was put in a situation that tempted him to play the role of the hypocrite. And in that situation, Peter's eyesight was focused on the advantage that playing the hypocrite would be for him. He saw it as personally advantageous to separate himself from these Gentile believers and to fellowship with these other Jews. He felt social pressure from it. He felt peer pressure. The main thing, however, that Peter felt was fear. 
fear led to his hypocrisy. Look at verse 12. Before certain men came, men came from, from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself. There's his hypocrisy. And here's why. Fearing the circumcision party. Peter slid into hypocrisy because of fear. Then there were probably a number of things that caused Peter to fear. One of the things could have been that, that he feared rejection by these people. These men were from James. They were also influential leaders, likely within the church. They were well known. They were coming to see Peter, visit with Peter. Maybe Peter was there to disciple them and pour into them. We don't know whether they were higher or he was higher. We, 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 we don't really understand the circumstances, but for whatever reason, Peter felt as though if he kept hanging out with these Gentile brothers and sisters here in Antioch, these guys aren't going to respect me at all. They're so tied up in their cultural things that they won't, they won't listen to me. They won't respect me anymore. Or maybe he grew up with some of them. They went to Jewish middle school together. That was his old football team. Those were his buds and pals, and they want to see what Peter's up to. And Peter is afraid to reveal who he is. Or there was more to it than that. By spending time with these Gentile believers, Peter was breaking a serious cultural line that was drawn for Jews. By eating their food and spending time with them, Peter could have faced the same persecution that Jesus did for doing the same thing. Maybe that's what Peter feared. Not only can these people reject me, not only can these people judge me, not only these people will not want to be friends with me anymore, maybe these people would, would persecute me or criticize me. And because of that fear, all of these feelings began to come up in Peter, likely. I mean, he began to look at the social separation that there was, which was ingrained in him and drilled in him as a little boy. Since his youth, he knew the struggle well, that there was a disdain and a racial superiority complex that Jews had towards everyone else. And maybe that switch came back off on Peter. And he began to look at these Gentile believers and says, you know, you guys are great. And we are called Christians because of you. But, and y'all eat some weird food. You don't wash your hands well enough. And, 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 I, and you know, all these feelings might have just be, been coming back up into him. This, this separation of the cultures. He was allowing cultural differences to become more important than gospel unity. And as a result of that, Paul calls him out on it. And he says this about, about them in verse 14. When I saw that their conduct, listen, was not in step with the truth of the gospel. The way that they were behaving was not in step. That word, not in step, literally means to walk with straight feet. They were not walking with straight feet. They were not walking a, a straight pathway. The pathway that Jesus demonstrated and showed and that the gospel outlines, that's not how they were walking. They believed it. They claimed it. He did walk in it at one time, but now he's off course. He stepped out of line. Fear rose up. Pressure came in. And I think we see in Peter something that lurks behind the mask of hypocrisy so often. The desire that we have to please people. Driven by fear, driven by his self-image, driven by self-advancement, driven by self-desires, and driven by the fact that he wanted to please these people, led him to hypocrisy. Listen, people-pleasing and Jesus-pleasing 
very often don't go hand in hand. People pleasers make awful disciples. You say, meanie, you're a jerk. But we'll, we'll listen to what Paul says. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. We, we read it just a couple weeks ago. He says in verse 10, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, listen, you cannot walk the pathway that Jesus calls us to walk and at the same time walk the people-pleasing pathway the world expects you to walk. At some point in time, there will be moments and roads of conflict. There will be moments where you're going to have to decide, please Jesus or please, name it, friend, mom, dad, boss, coworker, neighbor, group, party. Some point in time, it's our calling to, to live at peace with everybody. But there are moments we've got to make the decision not to mask who we really are in Jesus. And what Jesus calls us to and what we believe because of Jesus. You see, hypocrites and hypocrisy is how people pleasers navigate their way through difficult situations where social pressures are in play. We put on the mask to make it through an awkward situation. Fear drives us. Maybe it's the fear of being socially cast out or socially ostracized. And so we cover up. Maybe it's the fear of offending a person. So we cover up. Maybe it's the fear of rejection. So we cover up. Or we cover up and we begin acting a certain way. Because if we act a certain way and speak a certain way and act like this around this group of people, then they'll accept us, so they'll approach us, so we cover up. Maybe we've really, we really need to close this deal with this client. We need to finish this sale. And in order to finish this sale, I'm going to have to cover up a little bit. Or we've taken our focus off Jesus and put our focus upon ourself and our sinful nature. And our sinful nature desires something so much that we cover up and act as though it doesn't matter. Like a married man taking off his wedding ring as he goes on a trip. Covering up who he is. Listen. As we walk the road of Jesus with him, all around us, there are constant pressures to make us put on the mask, to tempt us to act and live and behave and speak and treat people in a way that our gospel is against. And is different than our gospel. Hypocrisy is a virus. And because it's a virus, I want you to hear this. It's infectious. Hypocrisy is a problem. Hypocrisy is pressured. But hypocrisy is also infectious. 
Hypocrisy is harmful to a hypocrite. Verse 11, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him face to face. Why did I oppose him? Because he stood condemned. Peter was guilty. And he wasn't guilty before Paul, and he wasn't guilty before the church. He was, he was condemned against God. He had broken God's way. It was God that, was, that he was sinning against, not just people. It was God that he was sinning against, and he stood condemned. Hypocrisy affects you. But hypocrisy we see here is also really harmful to others. Now, we know this to be true because every single one of us, one thing we all have in common is that we all have a story or we all have a person that hurt us because of their hypocrisy. There's someone in your life I know that's hurt you because they play acted, because they put on the mask and played a role of hypocrisy. It could be a mom, it could be a dad, it, it could be a friend, it could be a, a spouse or ex-spouse, it could be a coworker, it could be someone in the church. Many of you have walked in this place and hearing some of your stories, listen, you've been hurt by the hypocrisy that even people in the church can have. We all carry around the wounds because hypocrisy affects other people. It impacts other people and it infects other people. It's a virus. Now we're dealing with a virus right now, right? It stinks. Life has just stunk in this because they tell us that in order to prevent yourself from getting this virus, you got to mask up. And if you really don't ever want to get the virus, if you don't ever want to, exp- then don't leave your house. We, we quarantine ourselves. And as long as you do that, as long as we take, stay distant, we, we hey, cover it up, or, or, or we even go to the part, and, why? Separating ourselves, why? Because viruses need people to spread. That's what they do. That, that viruses become viral from spreading to one person to another. And so that's why we put on masks and that's why we separate ourselves. And Well, hypocrisy is no different. The only thing different about hypocrisy is, is that the way to spread it is to put on the mask. It's to cover up. And that covering up, that hypocrisy, that Acting one way, yet being convicted and believing, acting a part and a role, playing the role of a non-believer, or acting like a non-believer, even though you're a follower of Jesus, affects and impacts other people. And that's what happened with Peter. So these, these, these travelers with James came in and saw that he was eating with Gentiles. In fear, he withdrew, separated himself, it tells us in verse 12, and then look Look at how the virus spread. Look at how infected others got because of Peter's hypocrisy. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with Peter. Because Peter separated himself and acted hypocritically, so did these other people. He set an example for them and they followed the example and they got infected too and then there's sweet encouraging generous precious Barnabas that got in the mix as well so that even it tells us in verse thing Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy their hypocrisy spread it's it's like wildfire it went viral you see your hypocrisy either infects another person or it impacts another person. It either sets a bad example leading them astray or damages and hurts them greatly. But here's a greater danger. You see it at the end of verse 14. Paul calls him out. And it says at the end of verse 14, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? You see, others were infected by this and impacted, but the ones that were impacted the most were these Gentiles. 
these unsaved people who seeing Peter and Barnabas and these Jews who claim Christ, ostracizing them and separating themselves from them, being told that in order to be saved, I got to give my life to Jesus and Jewish customs meant that these people over here were not getting the gospel at all. Because listen, the gospel that these people were teaching and displaying and living out was Jesus plus legalism. And you'll be saved. That ain't the gospel. And there's no one in heaven because they trusted in Jesus and also trusted in something they did. It's Jesus plus nothing is the gospel. So the picture these people were receiving was not the gospel. So listen, Peter's hypocrisy, it infected other people, but it also impacted others eternally. That's the sobering thought about hypocrisy. That's the problem with your hypocrisy and my hypocrisy. Is that it's not just I I infect other people and I, I set a bad example. It's when I'm living hypocritically. When I'm living my life as if Jesus doesn't matter. Then I'm showing people Jesus doesn't matter. That I'm showing people that Jesus doesn't matter. He doesn't doesn't change your life. He's not a big deal. It affects them eternally. Parents, this this is really important because we may not see your hypocrisy. But let me tell you someone who will. Your kids. For 18 years of your life, they watch every move. And your hypocrisy and my hypocrisy can be a reason Why they say, I do not want to live like mom and dad. The number one excuse that people have for rejecting Christianity is not the legitimacy of Jesus. It's not the historical record of Jesus. It's none of that. The number one people, the number one detractant that people say of why they don't go to church and why they don't give their life to Jesus and why they don't follow Christianity is because of Christians. Hypocrites. They hear what we practice. They hear what we preach. They they hear what we say. But yet the way that we live doesn't reflect the Jesus we say we follow. So, or they look at our lives, and to be honest, there's not a lot of difference between their lives and our life. Like you say the same things and you do the same things and you watch the same things and you spend your money the same way and you, you speak to people the same way, you look at people the same way. The only thing you do different is you go to church on Sunday and say you're a Christian. And so they see this hypocrisy and they don't want anything to do with it. Now, here's where they're right and here's where they're wrong. They're right. We're all hypocrites. They got it right. Just because you give your life to Jesus doesn't mean you all of a sudden become a saint. We all battle, we all deal with, we all fall back into temptation, don't we? We are all hypocritical. Yes, we all proclaim to follow Jesus. We try to follow Jesus. But guess what? He's still working on me. He's not quite complete yet. And I'm a good fighter against his work in my life. And so a lot of times I don't live, I don't speak, I don't act like a Christian should. So it's right. We are hypocritical. And sometimes we say, and guess what? When you join us, you'll be one too. And guess what? That's right too. They will be. There's no atheist that got saved and all of a sudden they did it perfectly. No, they're going to be just a hypocrite just like us. And so we say, come on in. Listen, it's true, but listen, that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse that we can be satisfied with. Because eternity is at stake. 
and the way our culture is so anti-Christ and anti-Bible, more than ever before, this lost, unbelieving world that is searching and looking for hope and peace, and yet we proclaim it, they are looking, they are watching And we cannot help the fact that we're in a magra- under a, mi- a microscope, whatever it is. So hypocrisy matters. God forbid that I'm the reason. And the way I treated that waitress or the way that I spoke to that person or the way that I turned away from the need that was right in front of me, whatever make someone say, I don't want that man's Jesus if that man's Jesus makes him live like that. Hypocrisy is a virus. It impacts and affects many. You got it, and I got it. Can I give you good news? Because we've had a lot of bad news today, all right? There is a vaccine. And the vaccine is a crucified life. Listen to what Paul says. We'll get to it more in the next couple of weeks. But listen to what Paul says in verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Hypocrisy is a virus. But if we will live a crucified life, we can balance the hypocrisy in our lives. It's encouraging to know that a dude like Peter, I mean the apostle Peter, even he was a hypocrite. Listen, if, if Peter was a hypocrite, then guess what? You're going to be one too. But here's the awesome hope. If Peter could be restored from his hypocrisy, you can too. If a mighty man like Peter, a leader in the church, a saint, and for that matter, if men like Samson and David and Job who cursed his life, Elijah who wished he was dead, and Jonah who ran from the Lord and was fighting mad because God saved some wicked people. If Peter could deny and be forgiven, if Peter could be hypocritical and be forgiven, what encouragement for me to know That I have never fallen too far. And I have never done so much that the blood and forgiveness of Jesus can't cover. And that I am never too far away to come home and to be used again. God used Peter even after his hypocrisy. And God will use you too. Let me tell you something else that we need to understand in this. In the gospel, there are no second-class citizens. If there's one thing we see in this, that it doesn't matter whether you are Jew or Gentile, whether you are rich or poor, first, second, middle, lower, whatever class you are in, whether you are white or black, whether you are American or whether you are from any other country, there are no second-class preferential citizens in the kingdom of God. And it is hypocritical that we would ever treat a person made in the dignity and image of God in such a way. So how do you do it? How how do you balance it? I'm going to show you one thing and then I'll let you go. How do we balance the hypocrisy in our life? It's a lot like balance. 
See? <laughs> that was just the Lord saying, hey, this dude's a big hypocrite. Okay. So if I were to go from this one to this one, there's a couple of things I got to do. One, you ever heard someone say, don't look down? Don't look down. Why? Down's distracting. Down looks like a long way. That looks like a long way. I could fall, break my hip. I'm that old. I can do that now. <laughs> so they tell people, especially gymnasts, look ahead. Stay focused on where you're going. Hey, for us hypocrites who follow Christ, don't look at the people to please. Don't look at all these things in this culture, in this world that wants us distracted and wants us to please this person, please that person, appeal to that person, appeal to this person, be this and be that. You just, hey, I'm crucified to Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. You know another thing to do to help you balance? Put your arms out. Okay? It helps you navigate and balance. Because when you have your arms out, you can, looking forward, go from one to the next. As followers of Christ, we got to have our arms out. The beauty of this story is Paul was lifting up Peter's arm and saying, let me help you with this man. Let's walk this together. Let me hold you up so we stay focused on Jesus. Listen, this is why you need the church. This is why you need people that can say, hey, you're not living like you believe. Hypocrisy is it's a virus. But a crucified life is the vaccine. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the authentic, consistent Savior that you are. The only man has ever walked the face of the earth, never lost balance to hypocrisy. And because of your integrity and honesty and because of who you are, and because of what you came to do, you died for me. You died for everyone to give us life, forgiveness, and hope. So as your people have accepted you, Lord, help us. Help us to walk that way. Teach us what it means to be authentic and real in our faith and in our journey with you. There's so many distractions, Lord. There's so many inwardly. There's so many outwardly. Help us to stay focused upon you, to live that crucified life towards you. And I pray for those, whether they're here today, watching online, Lord, that haven't accepted Christ. They've rejected the inauthentic followers of Christ they see. They've rejected the hypocrisy in their own life. They rejected the hypocrisy in this world. Lord, would you show them this morning the real deal in Jesus? Would you save them? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm so glad you joined us for worship today. Uh, if today's your first time joining us for worship, we're glad that you're here. We'd love to connect with you. We have a gift for you that we'd love to send you this week. And so if you'll text the, the word connect to the number on the screen, we will send you that gift this week. 
Um, and thank you for uh, being part of our online uh, service today. You know, maybe you're at a place in point where you, you need to talk to someone about your relationship with Jesus. And we would love to visit with you about that. If that's you today, if you'll text the word Jesus to the number here on the screen, one of our pastors will receive that. They'll follow back up with you. We'd love to pray with you, talk with you about what it means and what it looks like to have a relationship uh, with Jesus. I want to tell you about next Sunday. Next Sunday is a big Sunday. And one of the reasons it's a big Sunday is because this is a big time of year, not just for our community, but for our country and for our culture um, as we come to the point and place of elections. It's been a crazy year. There's a, I don't know that there's ever been as many, as much controversy and hot button topics that are on the forefront um, as we come into this election. But it remains the same. It's vitally important that people of God who walk with Him, that follow His scripture and follow His word, stay actively involved in this process. It's a duty as an American citizen, but it's also an opportunity and duty that we have as followers of Christ. So I wanna encourage you uh, to vote and run to early voting, be ready for the election, run to voting on that day. But I'm telling you all this to say, this coming weekend, we're gonna be focusing on a very important topic and a very important issue, not just across our country, but right here in our 301, um, here in Charlotte and just around the corner from us, the, the issue of abortion. We're partnering with a, an organization called Love Life Charlotte. And this organization is on the front lines of, of spiritually battling with this pandemic and this issue of abortion. And so next week, we're, we're gonna have our friends from Love Life in worship with us. Uh, David Benham will be speaking some in our service next week. And of all the issues, there are many, many issues, but one that has continued for over 30 years now to be an issue is the issue of abortion. And we want to talk about the importance of life and what we as followers of Christ can do about that, uh, both through election, but also just as important, if not more important, the spiritual side and the spiritual battle with this. And so hope you'll join us next Sunday for worship online um, and cannot wait for us to be together again on that. Lots of things happening in the fall that we're excited about and want you to stay connected uh, to First Charlotte. We love you. We will see you next Sunday, 9 a.m., 1030. Have a great week.